there. Welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Alana and Jamie is here with me with another midweek mini-sode. Yeah, and this is going to be our last mini-sode of the Prayers of the New Testament series. So it's kind of been a really, it's it's been a really, um, really fun series to do. I've, I've really enjoyed looking back on some of these prayers of the, the, um, Oh my goodness, the New Testament, but no, the early church, that's oh, the that's I'm it. For prayers from within the early church, because I just, I don't know, I love looking back. And even though we're in a place where, you know, our culture, our society, the setup of, of most of our, like, you know, just social setups and distances mm-hmm. and everything makes it so that we're not going to exactly precisely replicate the early church but i just i love mm-hmm. looking back and just seeing paul's heart and the heart of the different authors of these letters that just you know yeah it's fun it's really inspirational i know one thing that's jumped out to me is the wide range of types of prayers and i think this is something that's come up i feel like sometimes in the podcast we almost have like takeaways that come in waves because there there are lessons that you and i are thinking about more often than other times. And I know for me, a big takeaway has just been how many types of prayer there are. And this idea of expanding the definition of prayer, right? So it doesn't always start with dear God and end with amen and, and things like that, right? If I speak a blessing over you, that's a type of prayer. If I am in God's presence, remembering something great about you and giving thanks, that's a type of prayer. And mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it too. Yeah. So well, this day, oh, go ahead. Oh no. I was just going to say this, this next one is from Philippians verse uh, chapter one, verses three through 11. Yeah. I'm really excited. Um, Philippians is one of my favorite of the epistles. It's just so encouraging and practical. So how about I'll read uh, the first chunk of this prayer and then you can jump in. So we're in Philippians 1, 3 through 11. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. I I love that. I want to start kind of backwards and start at the end. So Paul, again, is just giving a real succinct prayer for the Philippian church. So I, I, and you could just kind of rattle off the things he prays that their love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight that they may be able to discern what is best, that they may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, that they may be filled with the fruit of righteousness to the glory and praise of God. So what's jumping out to you in just that that chunk of text? Well, just the repetition, you know, kind of as we're wrapping mm-hmm. up and looking back, I just feel yeah. like there's some mm-hmm. real key things and just love abounding is huge. And just that knowledge and wisdom and discernment is, is something that he repeats over and over. Um, and then the, 
I don't know, the sanctification and, you know, that you can discern what is best and maybe pure and blameless for that day of Christ. So, I mean, we are pure and blameless in the sight of God because of what Jesus did. You know, we've got that Mm -hmm. instant, like salvation is salvation. He paid the price Mm -hmm. once and for all, for all. But there's this idea of that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. There's also this idea of that we would be protected from, from the sinful flesh, even as we work out our salvation. And, and those are, Mm. yeah. I mean, I, I am sometimes tempted to gloss over that part. We talked a lot in our last, I think it was our last episode um, about the idea of, well, we're not perfect, right? We're, you shouldn't put people on a pedestal because even if they're serving God or doing things in a way that, um, that is ministering or teaching, but on the Mm -hmm. other hand, absolutely. There is, there's, there's a requirement and there's a, um, expectation that, if you've been given a position to teach or to influence or whatever it is that you do have this responsibility to strive for, you know, run the race with perseverance to, you know, definitely strive for becoming more like Jesus, pray to become more like Jesus, ask Mm -hmm. God to reveal areas of sin and to constantly be peeling away those layers of the onion into the sins that you may not even really think of as sin right now, but God may be working that out of you. So all -hmm. of those things, they're, Mm -hmm. they're repetitious, but I would say of all of them, that's what hits me the most right now is the flip side of what we talked about last time, which is absolutely have grace with others. Absolutely. Nobody's perfect. But if you Mm -hmm. are in a position of authority or of teaching or of ministry, which kind of all of us are in some way, right. Mm -hmm. Um, make sure that you're, um, that, that you're taking that seriously and that you're going to God with the intention of that. You're not hiding behind grace as a reason not to deal with some of the things that might need dealing with. Yeah. And I, I definitely feel that. No, I think that's great. Um, I know for me, verse 10, when it talks about uh, maybe pure and blameless for the day of Christ, what jumps out to me there is like, I love thinking about the fact that I am blameless in God's sight but I don't love thinking about the fact that Christians that get on my nerves are just as blameless in God's sight. And so I think, you know, if there's a Christian in your life that you have strife with, or maybe they just rub you the wrong way. And it's not even like that either of you are sinning, right? Like I think sometimes just personalities don't gel as much as others without either party being in the wrong. You know, I think about Paul and Barnabas when they had their big split, I think it's theoretically very possible for two Christians to be in sharp disagreement and neither of them are acting in sin. Right. And, and we don't know, you know, we don't know Paul and Barnabas's soul in this That's for God's judge, but I, I think it's a really love strengthening exercise and grace building exercise to picture some of the Christians that do rub you the wrong way, or, you know, that maybe you do have a, a strained relationship with, and ask God to help you see them as he sees them. And that's really hard. It's hard if somebody has really, really hurt you 
and yet you know that they are believer and that their sins are forgiven, it is hard to get to where you can picture them as blameless before Christ. And even if they are, you know, so again, I think we used this analogy recently. If a Christian mistreats my child horrifically and criminally, even if they're a believer, and even if I might be able to find it in my heart to forgive them and to see them as blameless, I'm still not going to be in their life at all. And they are not coming anywhere near my child, right? So I think we could still have boundaries in that sense. But can you picture that person as God sees them? And don't feel guilty if you can't yet. I don't think that's a sign so much that you're a bad person as it's a sign of you were really, really wounded. But I think it is, it can be a really good example for for you or exercise. I think it's a better word of extending grace even to almost like the worst of the worst, right? Can you picture someone that in our society we consider villainous? Can you picture some, you know, dictator of another country who's doing horrific things and committing atrocious war crimes? Can you picture that individual in your mind and still like feel the love that God has for that person? And maybe you can't at all, and that's okay. But even just that practice, I think, gets us one step closer to being able to love our enemies and to bless those who persecute us. That is such a good point. And I think that stands for anything we're struggling with is just there's always a next step that could get you that Mm -hmm. much closer. Obviously, admitting that you have an issue is part of it. But even before that, Asking God to open your eyes to areas, because I know that there are areas for a long time that I'm, I won't see that Mm -hmm. are either sinful or that need work or that aren't in alignment Mm -hmm. with what God wants me to be. Um, But just being open to having those revealed and not feeling that pressure. Cause I'm afraid sometimes to ask for that revelation because then I'm like, Ooh, then I got to do something with it. Nope. (laughs) But you don't right away. Just take that step and and let that be Mm -hmm. the first step and sit with that. And then even pray to God, God, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to do anything with this. If, if anything, Mm -hmm. show me what my next step is. And, and, you know, just those, those steps of inviting God into your mess, inviting God into your struggles can be enough for now. And and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Just invite him in and, and don't put that pressure mm-hmm. on of having to fix it all because that's what paralyzes us. And that's what keeps us in the dark. And that's right where Satan wants us is denial. Yeah. There's an episode in Mindful Christian Prayers. I think it's the one called Blessing Others with Your Prayers. And it's an adaptation of a mindfulness practice. And so it's, it's basically, it's uh, in the meditation world, it's called something along the lines of like a loving kindness meditation or a loving kindness practice. And what you do is you start by thinking about somebody that it's super easy for you to love, right? So Jamie, you're often the first person that comes into my mind, or sometimes like not to sound shallow, sometimes it's the dogs, you know, so right. who is somebody that is very easy for you to conjure up the emotion of love? And yes, we all know that love is not about the emotion, but this is just an exercise to get you into that framework. So you you picture somebody that it's so easy for you to love and you picture yourself just kind of pouring love into them. And it doesn't have to be um, super expressive and demonstrative. It doesn't have to have like complete sentences and perfect grammar. It can just be, I'm picturing Jamie and how much I, I love the friendship that we have. And then 
you move toward, um, so you practice that with like a couple people that it's easy for you to love. So maybe it starts with like, you know, a family member and then a really, really close friend. And then maybe even like a childhood friend or a pet, right? And then you kind of move to, okay, who's somebody that you're just very neutral to? Um, an acquaintance or somebody that you recognize when you see them at the grocery store because they're the one who checks you out regularly. Or, you know, just somebody who your emotional response to them is just completely neutral. But then you do the same thing. It's like, I want to pour blessings onto this person's day. I want them to have a, a beautiful day. I want them to know how, how much God loves them. And then you sit with that for, you know, a minute or two. And then if you're able, you go to, you know, I would recommend in the exercise to start with somebody that maybe just irks you, right? Like I wouldn't go immediately from there to the person who yeah. um, murdered your spouse, right? I would, I would start with the, or, you know, or the woman who stole your coffee, <laughs> start with, you know, <laughs> here's somebody that just our personalities don't mesh super well. Picture them and picture pouring love into them. Picture how God loves them. And then eventually, yeah, the end goal can be, can you even picture the person that we would consider villainous? And can you pour love into them and see the fact, okay, God loves this this person. And yeah, we, we don't always get there immediately. I was actually listening to the episode that you did a few weeks ago. I forget the name, but it was... Um, you know, praying for your sexual relationship. Oh and yeah. How she mentioned. So if people haven't listened to that, especially if you skipped that one because you're single or something like that, um, it's still got a lot of really good. There's nuggets. a lot for single mm -hmm. women. But I really, it stood out to me. And of course I'd heard statistics like this before, but you know, she mentioned a third of our listeners have experienced some type of sexual trauma or abuse. And so I'm not saying that we all need to immediately be able to picture an abuser like that and, and pour love into them, but this practice, and that's why you start with someone that is really, really easy to love, right? This practice can get you there. And let's say that you are a victim of an abuse, abusive situation. Let's say that you even can get to the point where for a moment you can picture your abuser and at least logically affirm that God loves them. You do not have to like the next step isn't, oh, and then you go reach out to them and you, you become friends again, right? You, you stay far away from them. You keep yourself and your loved ones protected from them. But even if you can logically assent, I know God loves this person. That's a really good step toward becoming loving and extending grace to everybody. Yeah. And just for those of you that are interested, that's um, episode 251, Prayer and Your Sex Life with Dr. Julie Slattery. Again, yeah. if you skipped it because you're not married or feel like it doesn't apply to you, it's actually got so much good stuff. So mm -hmm. I would, no matter mm -hmm. where you are in your path of companionship, partnership, sex yeah. life. Yeah. It's a good, good episode. It it was. So how about let's go. So we, we talked a little bit about this last chunk in Philippians. Um, but I really love like even verse seven, it's kind of that same thing. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And it's that same kind of, kind of thing. Like, I think that sometimes we get so pounded into us. Prayer is not about how you feel or love is a verb. Love is not a feeling. 
or worship is not about the emotions that it conjures. It's about God. And those are all totally true. Like those are true statements. But I think sometimes we take that to mean, and therefore we can ignore our emotions when we pray. Right. But even Paul is doing this. He is holding this church in his heart. And I kind of picture it like that loving kindness exercise. Right. He is picturing this church. He is praying with joy. He's doing that of here is a church of people that I I love. I think that's probably why I resonate so much with Philippians, because, you know, people call it the joy epistle. Like there's just. It's, it doesn't go really deep into like horrific theology or why are you guys so boneheaded in what you're doing? It's, I love you guys. Let me tell you about all the reasons why I love you. And I just find that so, so encouraging. Yeah. And, you know, he talks about in verse four, in all of my prayers, I pray, well, I guess it's verse five. He prays with joy because of your partnership in the gospel Mm -hmm. from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it's like, he isn't obviously seeing the final version of them. He's not seeing all that God is doing. And it's not even that he's praying for that. It reminds me of the movie Jerry Maguire, where uh, one of the the main character, like Renee Zellweger, is like, "I love him. I love him for the man he wants to be. I love him for the man he almost is." <laughs> so oh. it's like it's like she's kind of it's almost a backwards insult. Like I I love him uh-huh. for you know for the guy that he almost is, but, right? But Paul's like. I love you and Mm -hmm. I am joyful because of your partnership. And it's not a backwards insult. It's because of like who you are now and being confident that he who began a good work in you is going to, it's just going to keep getting better. Like he's going to, he's going to continue to work in you. And this spark of what I see now is just going to continue on until the day of Christ Jesus. And that doesn't only include them, but like those that will come after them and the gospel as it manifests itself in the lives of of other people in that ripple effect. So I don't know. It just seems like um, he's praying because of your partnership from the first day until now, like there's a foundation of, I love you for who you are now and for what we've done now. But then there's like almost this like cherry on top above and beyond hope then I can see what God is going to do in you and it's going to be amazing. Mm. So I don't know. I just think, yeah. No, I love that. And I really think that this is a good reminder in our prayer lives to, to pray for seeds that you planted decades ago, right? Mm, It's being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Who did you sow seeds into 20 years ago that you haven't thought to pray about recently and, and pray for that with that same confidence. You know, I love in Isaiah where it says God's word doesn't return to him empty. It does accomplish every, everything that it was sent out for. And so, you know, I think there's some of us, and I'm in this camp that we're always looking forward, like, um, you know, whether it's great things are going to happen here on earth or great things are going to happen in heaven and Jesus is coming back with you. Like we're always looking forward, but sometimes we forget, like we did things 15 years ago that with a tiny bit of watering, 
right? Like we put a tiny bit of prayer into the seed that we planted 15 years ago and things can still be growing from that. Yeah, definitely. Nice reminder. Mm -hmm. Well, I do not know what our next mini series will be, but we would love some feedback from you. If you liked having these midweek episodes, let us know. Um, I can see there there's probably a type of listener who's like, oh no, they they did two episodes a week and I don't have time for that and it makes me feel anxious. Let us know that too. Like <laughs> if it's if it's almost like too much, and, and please don't feel like just because we put out an episode that you've got to listen to it, right? These are here for you if you want to listen to them. But yeah, we would love some feedback on these midweek minisodes and that can help us decide going forward what we're going to do. But at the very least, I'm so glad we got to do this mini series on the prayers of the New Testament. And I hope that everybody was able to take away some good nuggets for their own prayer lives. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.